Stigma. Strength. Stigma. Strength. Stigma. Strength. Stigma. To strength. A podcast by the Charlie Waller Trust where we have honest conversations about young people's mental health. Hi, Hi and I'm welcome Kaya. back to hey, Stigma I'm to Strength. I'm welcome Kaya. back to Stigma I'm to Eliza. Strength and Happy New Year. So, Kyan, um, is there anything you feel strong about this week? Yeah, I would say I feel strong about, I guess, like kind of admitting when I don't feel like very strong. I mean, that sounds like a bit of a paradox, but it's the kind of thing where, especially in the new year, uh, there's so much like optimism of like, you know, oh, it's a fresh start kind of thing. Um, but I think it can be very daunting. And I know that for me, I find that especially. So actually being able to say that, I feel like that's what I feel strong about this week. Yeah, it's so important realizing when you're not feeling like 100% and being like okay to admit that. Eliza, what are you feeling strong about this week? This week, I'm feeling strong about the fact that I have decided to go completely decaf, which I feel like a lot of people are doing at the moment. And I feel like before having like caffeinated coffee made me feel a bit weird after, like I think it can often increase anxiety. And so I thought, right, I'm going to make this change. And I had to kind of ease myself out of it. Could go from like two coffees to one coffee a day. And actually now I really have noticed a difference. And I wanted to keep in still having like a coffee in my routine because I think it is really nice and I love that. But now I have decaf and that's great. Yeah, I mean, my best friend, she's absolutely addicted to coffee. She loves it so much, but she always says you should never like start because once you start, it's so difficult. Like (laughs) you've become very reliant on it to get you through your day. So I think that's a very good thing. Yeah, it wasn't easy, but I'm definitely happy that I did that. Yeah. So what do you feel is stigmatized this week? I think similar wave to you is kind of about New Year's resolutions. I think I'm in two minds about it and I've never, I always kind of have this debate with myself and with friends and stuff, whether it's a good or a bad thing. And I think kind of the conclusion I've come to, this may be completely wrong and other people might disagree, but I think it completely depends what your New Year's resolution is. I think some can actually be, it can be great. It can be a motivating like way to, you know, try something new or like refocus your life a little bit. But I think it depends on how you're making these. I think if you're feeding into kind of the, there's a lot of adverts around New Year's and lots of brands kind of try and take advantage of it as a way to market their kind of things. And sometimes it's not very helpful things like weight loss pills and all of that sort of stuff, which is very negative. So obviously there's that side of it, which I don't think is good and is not good that you're kind of prying on the, uh, using the consumer to your advantage, especially when it could be quite negative for people's mental health. But I think, making resolutions which you can achieve and you can see how you can achieve that say it's I'm going to go make sure that I always go outside for five minutes before I start my day like I think something like that is brilliant but then also you know being okay with yourself if one day you wake up and you feel rubbish and you don't do that that's not you failed for the whole year in February you don't do that you can still the next week start again and try that again so I think it's just all being kind of flexible with it and just being kind to yourself really it all goes down to Yeah, 100%. I think it's great if you can have New Year's resolutions, which are quite positive as well. Yeah, um, I would say for me, like stigma this week, I would say is replying to messages quickly. I think sometimes you can feel a pressure where it's like, like, for example, I'm a type of person where if I'm on my phone and then someone messages me, then normally I'll respond even if they've maybe taken a long time to respond. But I feel like there's so much stigma. People say like, that's kind of too eager. And there's a whole thing of like, oh, if they make you wait three hours, then you have to make them wait double the time um, kind of thing. But it's like, well, if I'm on my phone and I see that you've messaged, 
and I'm free why wouldn't I just respond in that moment if I want to kind of thing yeah that's so true I feel like it's such a thing with things like on whatsapp how you can see like last scene and stuff like that and like feeling like whoa that's so weird why did they reply quickly but actually if you're there wanting to reply that's not like unusual okay so today's episode is going to be about mental health toolkits so why do we choose this topic eliza so i think as young people we're always going through lots of different changes um and sometimes you know as we spoke about in our previous episodes about life transitions it's hard to keep up with looking after your mental health when you're going through a big change and so we want to talk about mental health toolkit and how you can have things you know about which are different areas in your life which you try and keep consistent and whether that's like sleep or exercise or journaling and there are loads of different things and things help for different people but if you can keep these consistent things which you know work well for you it's a really great kind of safety blanket to have with you and other people might be like I've never heard of anyone talk about a mental health toolkit before and that's absolutely fine and it's all about kind of a journey and working out trying things some things don't work some your friend might say this is brilliant, you have to do that. And you might try it and be like, oh gosh, never doing that again. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah, so I think uh, one thing that's really important to talk about when we talk about a mental health toolkit is the importance of sleep. So, I mean, it's, everyone says this, like at school, teachers always say, oh, make sure you get enough sleep, like especially when you have exams and things like that. However, I know that it's kind of a bit of a hot topic because lots of people really struggle uh, to fall asleep or to stay asleep. I know for me last night, I really struggled to, to fall asleep and then to stay asleep once I was already asleep. So yeah, I think it's can, it can kind of be a bit of a double-edged sword because it's like people know that they need to get sleep in order to help with their mental health and also just to help like them to actually live through the day but um it can be difficult because just because you know that it's good for you doesn't mean you can just do it yeah you're not necessarily told like actually how to sleep which sounds like kind of weird but like I remember having I think it's just so talked about and it's so true at school you're kind of I remember having like an assembly on why sleep is so important which is so interesting and really important to kind of raise awareness of that but I think I then slept the worst I've like ever slept that night because I was like so worried I was like well there are a million health benefits for me and I can't get to sleep and then that all feeds into it the anxiety around being like I know that I need to be sleeping because it's amazing for you but I can't sleep so I think we want to kind of talk about some top tips of like how you can sleep and also the fact that I remember my mum once told me about how like even just if you're lying there in bed like what your body is doing of like I don't know what the science behind it um but kind of resetting recuperating everything like that so much of it is still gonna happen and your body will still be able to do that if you're just lying there with your clothes your eyes closed in a relaxed state and that really calms me because if you're kind of worrying thinking I've got a big day tomorrow I've got this something important I need to have loads of sleep I need to be rested but if you're like okay well I'm just gonna lie here like with an audio book on and rest because you're not you know you're not running around so your body is resting that's still doing lots of the benefits that people will talk about, about what sleep's doing. Of course. And I think as well, it's the kind of thing where actually, as you get older, you don't need as much sleep. So you might not feel well rested, but even if one night you didn't get a lot of sleep and you had an important day ahead, you would still be able to get through the day. And I think that's important because lots of people think, oh no, like I got hardly any sleep last night. How am I going to do this big presentation or how am I going to go to school today but the adrenaline rush will help you and also just because you have one bad night's sleep it doesn't mean that 
the next night will be the same and you can still get into a good routine. Yeah, I think speaking of routine is like really helpful of lots of people find that if you do a similar thing before you go to sleep each night, that then like even whether like some people have songs and stuff that they always listen to and then it kind of tells your brain, oh, okay, this is time to sleep. And like, I know that I have like a skincare routine, but that I find is a really nice time because I'm not on my phone and I normally put on a podcast or some music and that's like 15 minutes where you're winding down. And you, if you're doing that every evening and you kind of know that your body is really like, like even just small things like whether you always shower before you go to sleep or like getting in your pajamas, turning down the main lights, maybe just having like a bedside lamp, like it tells your brain, okay, it's time to like wind down and start to sleep. And sometimes like, I think that's also reassuring because you're like, you're, it's practical things that you feel like you're doing to help you get to sleep. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a massive sleep advocate. I love to sleep and I love to nap especially, but um, I also love the science behind sleep. So I, I do have a sleep playlist as well and it's called 90 Minute Cycles because you sleep in 90 minute cycles. <laughs> That's so interesting. There is like, there's so much interesting science um, behind it, which I think is great. And that's like, for some people, that's really reassuring listening to that or knowing that like, oh, I actually don't need as much sleep as I thought I did. But I think if you're someone who actually, it's making you more anxious about sleeping, if you know all of these great facts and stuff, then that's fine. And also I think one thing that I really notice is like your sleep patterns do change and sometimes you'll be needing like in winter, often people need more sleep um, and that's fine and that's okay. So don't get like as much, you know, it's easier said than done, but you don't need to get into a big panic if suddenly you're like, why am I sleeping more? Why do I feel more tired? Um, And also, you know, sometimes you're not, if you don't sleep that well, you're not necessarily, you don't have to label yourself as a bad sleeper for the rest of your life. Um, like I've had times when like in sick form, I didn't sleep very well. And now my sleep pattern's so much better. So I think sometimes it can be a really challenging thing. And it's like, that's something you're doing every day. And if you're not sleeping well, that's really hard, but there are ways to sort it out. And there can be external factors, which might change, which mean that your sleep pattern does then get better. So it's not kind of you're stuck for the rest of your life as a bad sleeper. So I think that's something important to remember. So another thing that is often on people's mental health toolkit is exercise. And we've got a voice note from a fellow ambassador, Patrick, who's going to speak a little bit about that and being in nature. My mental health toolkit is when I'm feeling sort of sad, down, just a bit blah, is to just get outside and immerse myself in nature I just find that the movement side gets my endorphins up and being in nature just really calms me and sort of centers me puts me back into that present and I guess allows me to rationalize whatever's going on or you know whatever thing that I'm worrying about and just clears my mind massively um yeah I'm sort of at my calmest and happiest when I'm in nature and when I'm moving so combining the two really helps me I completely agree with Patrick I'm such a kind of advocate for this and it's really important for me for like my mental health toolkit I love um being outside and I've really recently got into running um which I feel like if you're a runner then you love to talk about it so um it I absolutely adore it and I think it is really good I'm not at all claiming to be a good runner um but I just think for me going outside being in nature as Patrick was saying 
it really does clear your head and force you well, I always run with headphones normally um so I li- like to kind of listen to music that I enjoy or a podcast but it does give you time to think and it forces you not to be working or scrolling on your phone although I think the hardest thing for me is actually getting out of the house and doing that and like part of it I think is when you're like if you are feeling a bit rubbish which is normally the time when you need it the most is when it's so hard to actually bother to kind of put your trainers on and actually get out of the house because you're like it's easier for me just to sit here but that's something which about having a mental health toolkit is if you know like that these are things that work for you I have it like written on my phone is okay, if you're feeling in a bit of a like slump and you're not feeling great, go for a run and you know it makes you feel better. And like actually having that written down because I know that me after a run would tell myself that two hours before, but it's hard to know that and it's hard to like win over your brain to be like, I'm actually going to do that. But having it practically in a toolkit can really help you force yourself to do that. I really hate running (laughs) um, with a passion. And for me, exercise is not like a massive thing on my mental health toolkit. Like I I like to go on walks sometimes, but even then I feel like my walks, they have to have a purpose. Like I would never just go for like one thing I hate is walking in a park because it's like you're going in a circle just over and over again. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Like I like to get my steps in, you know, I have my watch and I like to see like each day trying to get 10,000 steps. I think for me personally, it's more like, I like to see the sights. So if I'm out in London, then I will like go walking and like I can go and see different things or go to different shops, things like that. But what Patrick said about being present, that's one thing I love about walking generally as well. It's like, whether you have an aim or not, in that moment, you're just walking. It's not like you're, okay, I'm on my phone, I'm doing that. Mm. And for me, I'm one of those people, I can't walk and text or like, yeah. I get too distracted. So I think it's, it is about when it comes to exercise, it's about being in the present and really just focusing on what you're feeling and what you're seeing around you. Yeah, it's so it's so grounding, I think. And I think it can be a daunting thing as well to get into, which I think is quite a stigmatized thing. Um, You know, going to the gym for the first time or going on a run and you see all these people who are running marathons and you're like, I can't even run five minutes down the street without like being so out of breath. So I think that is also a hard thing. But what's really helped me is thinking, okay, everyone else is so focused on themselves in a way. Like when I run around London, I'm like, everyone else is either on their phones or in their own mind when they're running. So they're probably not thinking about me. And also they don't know if I've been running for two hours. And I like to think they might be thinking that I have been running for two hours, even if I've just got out of my front door. But I think, you know, follow the right people on Instagram if that helps and encourages you because there are loads of great motivated people if exercise is a thing that you want to be doing. But also, you know, going for walks and being outside is also so beneficial. You don't have to be doing 40 minutes of exercise a day at all because for so many people that's not manageable to fit in their time. Yeah. Also, look at the Charlie Wooler website uh, for more statistics. And um, if you're into the more scientific reasons as to like how exercise can help your mental health. Um, yeah, there's lots of good resources there. Also, sometimes it can be really helpful to have a goal. I know my mum, she never used to be a runner, but she started and she would say, OK, I'm going to do 2K today. Now I'm going to do 3K. But you can also do big challenges. Like, for example, Charlie Willer often have lots of events and fundraisers to do with running or walking. So having those goals, especially you can meet other people at these events as well. So it can be quite nice to have that social aspect too. 
Another thing people may have in their mental health toolkit is creativity. Now we're going to listen to a voice note by Eliza's sister, Gracie, on the benefits of being creative and mental health. One of the ways that I calm myself down if I'm feeling stressed is by listening to music. And I actually try and set myself an album to listen to sometimes because there's something about listening to the beginning all the way through to the end as it is made to be listened to that is satisfying it feels complete you also know the time frame on it so if I have a 35 minute tube journey and an album usually runs for approximately that there's something really nice about being like okay I can sit here and listen to this and I find it really relaxing there's something about listening to it in the order that the artist has intended it to be which I quite like and I think it's very satisfying and it's a nice way of discovering old artists that I used to listen to more and albums that I've loved, whether it's new ones or old ones from my childhood. So that massively helps me focus on something else, calm down. And I'm not there pressing next, next, next on a playlist. I'm just sitting there listening to a complete album in order. I found that really interesting and uh, very relatable personally because I love to listen to music and especially sort of like what your sister was saying about the time frames. There's this one song I love by Frank Ocean called Pyramids and it's 10 minutes long. So then sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to leave the house in 10 minutes. So then I put that song on and I know like once I, I hear like the middle bit, I'm like, okay, okay, I need to like hurry up. But um, things like that is really good. Or like if I'm on the bus and I'm like, oh, how long is this going to take? And I'm like, okay, it's just one song of Pyramids and then yeah, it's fine. and then it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's so good because it means you kind of like you have a focus and you can just sit like sitting there and just listening to the lyrics. Like I'm the worst person at remembering lyrics, but sometimes when you actually just sit there and listen, it's so interesting and it forces you like like with running or anything else, it's like it forces your mind to focus on something else. If your thoughts are kind of spiraling and stuff like that, if you're like, right, I'm actually gonna listen to each word that they're saying, or oh, you're going to sing it out loud or whatever. I think that's actually a great kind of focus for calming down. Um, and also if you're listening to really calm music, like music has such an effect on your mood. And if you listen to really calm music, that is going to naturally calm you down. It can calm down your heart rate. And the science behind that is so interesting. And similarly, if you're like, oh, I really almost like when you're saying, I don't need, I don't want to go out of the house, but I've got 10 minutes and you put on that song and it's a good song and it, you like it and you put it loudly that can really like boost your mood and motivate you, um, which I think is so cool and interesting. Yeah, and I think the thing as well with albums is that um, I feel like it's less common um, these days, but um, I do feel like lots of albums do have a strong sense of like themes and storytelling. So then when you are listening to it, it's like what your sister said, where, you know, it's not really like a playlist where you're skipping to the next song. You're listening to a complete work and it can feel really nice. Like I know for me, uh, there's one album I always, always revisit and it's Damn by Kendrick Lamar because it's such a complete work of art basically and it's such a I don't know it's something about storytelling through music I think that's something I really um cherish in my mental health toolkit yeah and also like you're saying like with that that's one that you always go back to some people find it really useful to listen to song and because it does evoke such memories from like good times if you are stressed or feeling rubbish or nervous about something then it can transform you into a happy place and like 
that can often be, you know, people might tell you, okay, if you're nervous or if you're scared, if you're on the tube and you're feeling claustrophobic or something, think about a nice place. Sometimes that is quite hard for you to do by yourself. So if you have music on, which you know, oh, I listened to that last summer when I was with my friends and I was on the beach and I was really happy, it can help you make that connection quicker than if you were just trying to battle with your brain to do that as well. So it can be quite a calming technique as well in that way. So now we're going to listen to a voice note from another student ambassador called Amy and she's speaking about kind of setting aside a time um, of the day to worry about things and blocking out a time so you're not worrying about it all day and we're going to be speaking about journaling and how that all links into creativity. One of the things in my mental health toolkit is worry time. It's basically allocating a time in the day which works for you. Um, I normally pick sort of first thing when I wake up in the morning. Um, I'm basically just writing or brainstorming or like typing on the notes section of your phone um, everything in your brain that you're worried about. So whether that's like stuff coming up in the present day or future things, just like splurging everything out for like 10 minutes. Um, And then whenever a worry pops into your head during the day, you say to yourself, um, okay, well, I'm going to save that for worry time. And then over time, it kind of trains your brain to push worries aside um, and focus on the present and allocate that specific time to like splurging them out. So although it might not solve your worries, it's a really good way to kind of ground yourself, I guess. Um, But yeah, I found it really helped. I think that that is something that I definitely want to do more of because I am the type of person where I know that it's not good to ruminate. But sometimes I will be somewhere and I'll I'll have a thought and I'll be like, okay, I know I shouldn't think about this right now, but I just start doing it. And once you start, it's very easy to spiral. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're crying in London Bridge train station. This happened to me a few months ago. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, okay, I'm, I shouldn't think about this right now. Like Amy said, you know, maybe you should have a time where you're going to, I guess, compartmentalize. But it can be very easy if you don't have that dedicated time to just let the worries consume you. Yeah, and kind of, and sort of catastrophize. And if you're not, because if you're somewhere where you can't be like, say you are on a train or you're going somewhere or you're in a lecture or something and you can't sort out that problem, then you just sit with the thoughts in your head and you're like, I don't know what to do I don't want to do and you're not even managing to solve it at all because you're do- supposed to be doing something else and I think the kind of physical side of it of actually writing it down is really good for your brain and because it kind of almost feels like you're giving your problem to someone else like you're giving it either to your phone or you're giving it to like a notebook or something like that and it means that you're like okay this isn't just me like actually physically having to write it down also when you see it often in black and white on your phone or on paper you're like oh, actually, I really didn't need to worry about that. Or like, now that I've actually had to write that down, that seems so silly, which can in itself solve the problem before even having to do something else about it. Yeah, for me, um, I have a diary that I write in um, and I love my diary. I don't write in it as much as I should, but I do also write in my notes app as well. Um, because like, if I'm just out and about and I just have a thought, I'm like, okay, I need to write this. Like um, on the train here, actually, I like literally had a brainwave and I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I need to be doing right now. And I was like, I need to write about my life. And also I think um, I do it like for my dreams as well, like kind of linking back to sleep. But I'm a type of person, I do believe that dreams are very important, but I guess like kind of segueing off of dreams, obviously it's a new year. And I think that 
lots of people, they can journal in different ways to kind of envision where they want to be and the kind of things they want to achieve in the year. I know for me, I do that, but also I'm a very big visual person when it comes to mood boards, that kind of thing. And I love Pinterest. So every year I'll make a mood board and um it's not like um a one and done kind of thing like I will make it before the new year but as the year continues I will keep adding stuff because it's like I don't know I feel like there's so much pressure on like it's kind of a done deal like you just this is what you want to achieve and that's it but it's like things are always changing definitely and I think like with that like I'm very different with that I'm not don't have the kind of art of being able to make things look nice and like have a mood board that looks good and stuff and I think with journaling sometimes like some people it works brilliantly to have it quite aesthetic and they like the whole kind of process of like choosing different colors and stuff like that whereas for me I'm like I think my best journaling is on a word document with like font times new roman like the most boring of boring as you can kind of get and that's fine like I think sometimes people think either they kind of dismiss journaling because they think it's all about aesthetics and stuff like that which shouldn't be dismissing it and I think that's great and for some people that works so well or they think I can't start journaling because it needs to be beautiful. It needs to be perfect. And actually you're just finding what works for you and it will be different for each person. Of course. Like I know for me that my diary is a mess. And like, to be fair, I did take the time to decorate the outside, but um, that's about it. Like when, when I'm writing in and I'm writing my emotions, I think I've learned how to like, it's kind of like exploring your emotions judgment free. So just like how you can talk to other people about your emotions in, in a way and not feel judged, you should also be able to write them down without feeling like, oh, this looks so bad. Like it's not aesthetically pleasing because also no one needs to see it apart from you. Um, and if you think it's something that helps you, then that aesthetic side, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be as important. Journaling doesn't have to be the stereotypical way that people think of where you just get pen and paper and you just write for hours on end. Um, It can be sort of the more visual stuff that we spoke about, like Pinterest mood boards, or it can be drawing pictures. It can, it can be anything pretty much. You can even do online journaling as well, or you can, you know, you can type in your notes app or you can do a word document in Times New Roman, like Eliza said. Um, But yeah, I think that's another reason why people might be intimidated because they think that they have to do it in one particular way, but it's not like that at all. Stigma to Strength, a Charlie Waller podcast. So obviously journaling and lots of creativity things can be quite, you know, by yourself. Um, But also we think it's really important to talk to other people. And that is definitely a big part of my mental health toolkit. Um, Because I know that often... If I'm feeling a bit low or really anxious about something, although you might feel like you should just recluse and kind of spend time by yourself, some people that's really helpful. But I know I it is good for me to speak to people and I like 99% of the time feel better having spoken to someone about it. Yeah, I agree. I think like for me, I went through a situation a few months ago and it's something that it kept unraveling. And I know for me, I've spoken to so many different people about it, but the more I talk about it, the lighter I feel because the whole situation, I felt like for a while, I didn't talk about it at all. 
and I kept it very, very bottled up. And it's the point where even I remember I was talking to my best friend and I, I told her some stuff and she was like, why didn't you say this earlier? But um, it can really help. Having said that, though, I do feel like, you know, you don't have to share your business with everyone. Yeah. Of course, like delve into all the nitty gritty. Like it, you might share varying levels of information with different people and that's OK. But I do think to a level um, speaking about an issue or anything that you're stressing about can really help you. Yeah, and it's with, like, I think it's really important what you say is you don't have to tell everyone everything. And that's the same as you don't have to tell, like, all these different people about how you're feeling if you don't want to. And that's part of the toolkit is trying to find your mental health toolkit is trying to find if talking is something that you find helpful, then trying to find the people who are helpful for you to speak to. Because some people, if you're saying, I'm really stressed about this, will be like, oh, well, I'm really stressed about this and this is more stressful. So, and that's not going to help you. And if you're in a like state where you need to be helped, then trying to work out, and it takes time. And sometimes you'll, some people will surprise you and be really great. And some people will surprise you in the other way. But I think part of your mental health toolkit be like, I know that if I call, whether like it's your sister or a parent or a friend or someone, you're like, I know that if I call them and tell them that I'm worried about this, they'll really help. Um, so it's working out who you're kind of, I don't know, maybe it's your five people or one person or whoever they're great and I know I'm guaranteed to have a helpful productive conversation if I call them yeah and I think as well sometimes it's also good uh, to talk to professional people like for example therapists because I know for me there was a time where I felt like I didn't really have anyone to talk to like friends but I, I knew okay every week I'm going to see my therapist shout out to Jackie she's <laughs> amazing but it's the kind of thing where it's like okay I know that I'm going to have this allocated time and for 50 minutes, I can literally just talk yeah. about what's going on. And it, I think one good thing about therapy as well is like you can really just talk about your own issues or emotions without sort of like what you were mentioning about sort of when people maybe one up you and they're saying, yeah. oh, you're stressed about a test. Well, I'm stressed about this and this and this. It's so much more important. So I think having that time of like non-judgmental you know, space where you can actually just talk is really important and it can work for people. But of course as well, you know, therapy doesn't work for everyone. I think it's about um also different stages of your life. Like I've been in and out of therapy because there have been some times where I've been like, yeah, it's not fitting in with my life and it's not necessary. And then there's been times where I feel like it's actually very beneficial. And I think that's another general thing with mental health toolkits. It does change and I think that's okay. Yeah, and I think it's really important to know that there are different types of therapy. Like, as you're saying, like, different things help different people. And there's such a range of therapy. And within the different types of therapy, like whether it's CBT and stuff, then there are loads of different therapists within that. Um, and so if you have tried therapy and you've thought, oh, I didn't really get on with that person or they weren't right for you, that's not a bad thing. And that happens to so many people. Um, and that's okay. And, like, as much as you can, try and be strong enough to try again um because therapy is amazing and has helped so many people but is so daunting to start off and also some people do have a bad experience at the beginning and then get put off by it but yeah as you say sometimes you go into therapy sometimes you go out of it but if it is something that you know if you're going through a life transition and you know that therapy helps you then it is good to carry things like that on if it's working but if it, if you actually think no I don't want to at the moment and pause it or stop or whatever then that's also okay yeah, and I think as well, it's important to, to vent and to express your emotions. But I think as well, having your own independent things that you can do aside from therapy, because 
therapy is stereotypically one time a week so it's important to have other things that you know in the meantime you can do that work for you um as well so that you're not just waiting for this one time and then after that one time you're back to stressing and you don't know what to do with yourself yeah and I think that like speaks a lot about the kind of mental health toolkit as a whole is that you know, we've sort of spoken about different parts of it that you could have, and you might not have all of these, and you might not want all of these. But I think it's good not to, to try and not just have one focus. Like if your only way of looking after your mental health is exercise, and you're never ever speaking to any of your friends or a therapist or anyone about how you're feeling, then you might want to try and go into that, delve into that a bit. And it's, you know, it might not all happen at once. But I think if you can have a range of ways that you cope with your mental health, then that's brilliant. And if you can have all these different tools, then you're going to be happier and healthier and stronger. Now we're going to talk about our top tips for making your mental health toolkit and for sustaining it. We're going to listen to a voice note by Usman, another fellow student ambassador, um, who's going to introduce this a bit. Figuring out what works for me has taken a long time. Things in my mental health toolkit come and go. The most impactful has been ensuring that I have a clean and tidy environment, especially after a particularly difficult day. Coming home, it allows me to declutter my mind. The second would be actively enjoying any self-care I do. Whenever I eat food, I look for foods I enjoy. Whenever I take a bath or a shower, I look for, you know, shower gels that I really love. Or a huge bubble bath, just making sure I enjoy all aspects of self-care. I think those are such great top tips from Usman. Um, and we're going to just add a few of our own. I think one that I've kind of mentioned a little bit already um, is about writing down your mental health toolkit, making it more of a kind of practical, like formal thing. It makes you think and it makes you think when you're worried or you're upset or something, oh wait, hang on, I could go back to my mental health toolkit rather than thinking, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, what should I do when I feel like this, can mean it's easier actually to get you back on track. Yeah, and I think another thing is not going cold turkey, because lots of times, if you are doing something, and you feel like it is improving your mental health, you might think, okay, I feel better, I don't need to do it anymore. And sometimes that is the case but also I think in those situations it's good to gradually phase out as opposed to just completely stopping especially if you've been doing something for so long for example I know for me there was a time where I was in therapy for a year and a half and one day I literally just stopped going out of the blue and it was like such a sudden change and I think that that can sometimes be too abrupt and phasing out is a bit of a better option and then another top tip is different emotions need different responses um I think sometimes you know if you're feeling spiraling and overthinking something that might need a different response to if you're just feeling really low and kind of in a bit of a slump so it can be helpful to kind of do like a flow chart or something like this and be like if I feel this way then I'm gonna wait for a run if I feel this way then I'm gonna go and talk to a friend so you know that you know you know which direction to go when you're feeling lost Yeah, and lastly, to echo what Usman said, everyone's mental health toolkit can change at any time. And that's perfectly normal because we all go through different phases of our lives and we develop new interests. And like, for example, uh, for me, I I never used to like uh, meditating, but now it has become something that I do often. And that's okay, like to have different things that help you depending on what phase you are in your life. And 
Also, you don't need everything at one moment. For example, you might be really focusing on exercise and sleep at the moment, and maybe you're not so much focusing on talking or creativity, but it's all about the combination and finding out what works for you specifically. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that this has inspired you to think about what is in your mental health toolkit. As always, you can look at the description to see what we're doing on our socials and interact with us and let us know if you have any ideas for things that we can discuss in future episodes. I've been Kayan. I've been Eliza. And this has been Stigma to Strength.